the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For Southern California Live, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. You may have heard of us. Hillbillies, country music, and such. Well, it's my privilege to spend a little time with you in Southern California this afternoon. And we're talking about something. We're talking about the California dream. The rest of our nation has looked at California for decades and imagined that you had some advantages the rest of us maybe didn't quite know about. Your weather was better. Your food seemed healthier. Your beaches were more beautiful. Your mountains were spectacular. And we saw the pictures. It even seemed like your people were prettier. But today it feels a little bit like that California dream is tarnished. We're not celebrating that. We're praying for you, and we're standing with you. You've got an election next week, a recall election, a decision to be made about who's going to govern your state. And it's not just about a person. It's about the worldview that is going to govern your state. And your choices matter. This is not about a church or a denomination or a congregation. It's not about which translation of the Bible we prefer. It's about the worldview, the filter through which we see our world, how we're going to define marriage, how we're going to define the authority that's going to speak into the lives of our children and shape the futures of our grandchildren. It's an important, important week, and it's an important weekend, not just for the campaigning. I suspect you've got a little campaign fatigue by this point. We usually do when we get down to those last few days. But I would encourage you to take some time on a daily basis between now and next Tuesday and pray. Maybe gather a coworker or a neighbor or some friends or your family. Maybe you even want to fast a meal or two and pray. Let's not leave this to the professional politicians. Let's not leave this to the professional organizers. Let's very purposefully invite the Spirit of God in. There's big decisions ahead. How money is going to be spent, how your children are going to be educated, how we're going to process COVID, how we're going to process the natural resources that California has been entrusted with whether it'll be managed in a way so that wildfires continue to ravage your state or you'll be set free from some of the things that have plagued you. We're trusting God for an outcome in California that'll see that California dream restored and bring hope to the rest of our nation. You have led the nation in so many, many ways, and we're trusting God's Spirit to move in and through you in such a way that we'll see that momentum gained again. You're not alone. I want to keep saying that because I think one of the, the... The objectives of the enemy in this COVID season is to make all of us feel isolated. Quarantining was far more damaging than we understood. It was damaging for us as persons, as families. It was damaging for our children. That interaction with one another matters. And if he causes you to feel like you're isolated in a community or a state, it's not a helpful thing. We're standing together. The Church of Jesus Christ reaches beyond the boundaries of California, reaches beyond the boundaries of our nation. In fact, I've made a suggestion. I've asked you to consider joining me. Let's start a revolution. I said it. Let's start a revolution, a Jesus revolution. It's not about anger. It's not about violence. It's not about turmoil. It's a change in worldview, and it begins in our heart and understanding that if we will yield to God, that God will move in ways that are beyond us. We're dependent upon His power We're not going to out-organize evil. We're not going to out-think evil. We're not going to out-work evil. We won't overcome evil because of the numbers that we manage to pull together. The only thing evil will yield to is a power greater than itself. And that power is the power of the living God. 
And the good news is his spirit indwells you and indwells me. It's not about the nation, our nation of origin. It's not about our bank account. It's not about our educational status. It's about who is Lord of our lives. And COVID has exposed the church. We were a bit sleepy. We were distracted. We were worshiping at the altars of comfort and convenience. And God in his mercy has awakened us and put our feet on a new path to be difference makers, to shape a generation before us. We're not going back to those pre-COVID days. I think your recall election next week is a wonderful beginning step. I'm excited for the opportunity you have. And I want you to know there are multiplied thousands of us standing with you and praying with you. We are witnesses to, and I pray we're participants in, a spiritual battle which is reshaping the world we're living in. There's turmoil and conflict in almost every direction we look. Seems like it's true in almost every nation. Turmoil, confusion, division, lawlessness, those things are escalating everywhere we look. When you see conflicting, irrational, and destructive behaviors, we should understand something. There are spiritual influences involved. The most powerful forces shaping human destiny are spiritual influences. I'm not denying the power of governments or politics or economics or medicine or science. Those are all very real things. But there's a power greater than those things, and oftentimes those spiritual influences are reflected in those more familiar vehicles. Lots of examples around us. I believe we have the finest healthcare system in the world. We have thousands, multiplied thousands, of well-trained doctors and healthcare workers, yet we struggle to gain our equilibrium in the face of this pandemic. And instead of being grateful for the hard work of those serving us and for the health care that's available, we are angry and divided about how to move forward, how to proceed. It's illogical. It's irrational. We have the finest law enforcement officers and first responders in the world. Yet violence is escalating exponentially, and we seem befuddled as to a course of action. There are powerful voices in our nation that have for weeks and months been repeatedly calling to defund the police and to replace them with social workers, purposefully ignoring the suffering of so many. Well, I have an idea. I think we ought to gather all those people that have rushed for a microphone and called for the defunding of the police. Allow them to select the social worker of their choice, and then we're going to organize a field trip. I think we ought to send them to Afghanistan for a little three-week window. We want to bring them back. We don't want to leave them there. We want to let the people that don't think the police are a good idea, that public expressions of authority aren't a good idea, and send them with a social worker to Afghanistan. When they come back, I suspect they'll have a different view on the value of authority in the public square. Lawlessness in our nation has become routine. We have millions of people streaming across our border illegally. While our law enforcement folks are managing the daycare centers for illegal immigrants. Our borders are open for others to illegally import whatever destructive things they can imagine. And our political leaders seem more interested in a Green New Deal than stemming this lawless, dangerous, and illegal activity. And the church isn't really sure what to say or how to respond or how to pray. We don't want to be seen as being lacking compassion or being without love. It's a serious time. There's a spiritual struggle taking place before us, but it's being played out in all the familiar arenas. And if, the, if we're not alert, if we're not awake, if we're not watching and listening and thinking, we will miss what is happening. Again, this is Pastor Alan Jackson it's my privilege to be filling in on Southern California Live today. 
I'm a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. We're talking about that California dream, and I'm inviting you to a revolution, to being a a participant, to becoming a revolutionary in a Jesus revolution, not filled with anger, not violence, not frustration, not bitterness, but a change of worldview that will bring reconciliation and restoration to the lives of God's people and anyone who would choose Jesus of Nazareth as Lord. We're walking through an unusual time, a disconcerting time. There's a spiritual battle taking place around us, and we see evidence in our nation. It's it's confusing because what we watch and what we hear doesn't seem to align itself with what we would expect reality to present. You know, history has proven that in our nation we have a very productive workforce. We have changed the course of history when our nation has gone to work at various times and seasons. We have an economy that's been the envy of the world. Yet in this moment, we are bankrupt and spending at an unprecedented pace. We pay people not to work while there are jobs unfilled. We cancel rent for those that are not working, but not the payments for those who are providing shelter for the renters. There's a logic that is missing in what's happening. And as much as we want to blame somebody for it, I think we have to understand that if we will humble ourselves before God and say, God, we need your help. Apart from you, we cannot find a future that is better. We have some of the most amazing natural resources. You should understand this in California on a firsthand basis. We are global leaders in natural gas and petroleum reserves. Yet we're experiencing right now gas shortages and we're asking the Muslim nations to help us. It makes no sense. Our independence and autonomy around petroleum reserves and energy would bring a freedom to us to negotiate on the global stage that would mean better things to us. And yet our leaders equivocate and dither between opinions while we suffer with power shortages and lacks of the resources that we need to complete our daily task. We have the finest military in the world, young men and women who represent us well with integrity and dignity. Yet after two decades of sacrifice, the Taliban controls Afghanistan today. That's unimaginable. There is no explanation for that. And on top of that, our leaders made the decisions to abandon our cities in Afghanistan, to abandon our citizens in Afghanistan, to abandon our allies. And then they look for microphones to tell us how well they did with their planning and their procedure. And we're reluctant to say anything about it because there can't be that many voices. Let's be clear on this. This is not about a particular politician or a particular political party. For that kind of debacle to take place, it requires the involvement of enormous numbers of people and decisions. Our State Department is involved. Our intelligence communities are involved. The leaders of our military are involved. The political class is involved. We have broken faith with a set of values that has made us a trusted partner in the global community. And I believe all of those things stem from a church that's been asleep and distracted and unaware. It's too easy to blame the people we don't like or the politician we didn't vote for. The reality is we're not well, in spite of all the cash flowing through our system. It's deceptive. We're printing a lot of money, but we're not growing stronger economically. You know, I spend a lot of time, or I spend a routine time, reading my Bible. One of my heroes is King David. God called him when he was a boy to be king of Israel. You'd imagine if God sent a prophet to your house to anoint you for a purpose for your life, that everything that came after that would be kind of a merry skip down the yellow brick road. But that wasn't David's experience. 
Samuel anoints him to be king. Causes some angst with his brothers. It leads to a civil war. Israel already has a king, and he's not ready to abdicate his throne. David is a threat, and it leads to a civil war. David secures the throne after years of living as a fugitive. He has to feign insanity with foreign kings, suffer all sorts of indignity en route to fulfilling what God called him to be. Then after he secures his throne, he captures the city of Jerusalem and makes it the capital of Israel. But his life isn't free of stress. One of his sons rapes a daughter. Another son leads an insurrection, drives David from the capital city, drives him from his palace. He's forced to flee towards the Dead Sea. His enemies mock him. He's publicly humiliated. God intervenes and David is restored to Jerusalem and to his palace and to his place of authority. But it's in a season of his life, near the end of his life, it's a time in his life when I'm sure he wasn't planning on difficult decisions and problems with no simple answers or adversaries whose hatred was illogical but persistent. See, I find a lot of identification with that. We're tired of COVID. We want it to go away. We went home for two weeks. We quarantined. We sheltered in place. We listened to them tell us that we weren't essential, that we weren't that necessary, that we could step away from our job and everything would be fine. We lived through that, but everything wasn't fine, and we're still battling COVID, and we're still paddling dishonesty and lies in the public square. And we just want it to go away. We want to wake up tomorrow and be in a new place, that California dream be restored. We want to go back to our churches and sing our favorite choruses and hear our favorite Bible stories and sit in our favorite seats and pretend like nothing has changed. But it has changed. And David was willing to face the realities in his life and allow God to reestablish him in Jerusalem and prepare a future for that nation. And I believe God intends to use you to restore his purposes in your community, in your neighborhood, in the school where your children attend, on the athletic teams where your children participate. It's time for us to use our voices and say we're advocates for Jesus of Nazareth. We don't just gather in our buildings on the weekend and sing our choruses and then go earn money so we can upgrade our homes. We are advocates for a kingdom, and our king is coming back, and we want to be busy about his business until we see him again. Folks, it's time to start a revolution. Again, not one based on anger or violence, one based around a love for Jesus, but awareness of a future that can only be transformed by choosing Jesus of Nazareth as Lord of your life. If you've imagined your Christianity to be centered in a salvation event, whether you call it being born again, saved, initiated into the kingdom of God, the language we use around that varies a bit from tradition to tradition, but it all marks the same way, that birth into the kingdom of God. And it's not because we chose the right church or heard the right pastor. It's a decision about the lordship of Jesus. But unfortunately, at that point, I think that we have failed a bit. We've given this mentality that Our faith was about benchmarks. Be born again, be baptized, maybe read your Bible, serve a little bit at church, occasionally give with some generosity. I don't believe that's the objective of our faith. I believe the point of the new birth is to allow us to grow up in the kingdom of God. And I think God is awakening us to that. Folks, it's time for us to grow up, to learn how to stand in the truth that we've been given in Jesus, to acknowledge him and to honor him with the new authority. I'm tired of this current season, too, but we're not finished yet. We can't afford to turn away and give ourselves to distractions. If we will humble ourselves and seek the Lord, I believe we will see God bring a new future to us. 
I believe that California dream can be restored. I believe God has things ahead of you that would make Walt Disney jealous. I believe the productivity and the effectiveness and the beauty of California can be restored in a way that your children and grandchildren can celebrate it. God is capable of that. But we'll have to have the courage to choose the truth. We'll have to invest the effort. We'll have to be willing to do the work. It's not that we earn our way into the blessings of God. But God doesn't work around us. He works through us. You know, the dirty little secret of ministry is it looks a lot like work. I have served the church for more than three decades. I've done everything from mow the grass to clean the bathrooms to preach the sermons. And the truth is ministry is about work. And Christ in you is about giving God your best in each day. Here's the idea. Are we willing to be revolutionaries in training? And what's that mean for us? I think it starts with a systematic reading of your Bible. Every day, take a few minutes and read your Bible. It may start out as a sense of drudgery. At one time, I told God I thought he'd written a really boring book, but that out of respect for him and determination, I would keep reading it. Somewhere along the way, God brought a reality in my life. It became the most fascinating book I've ever picked up. If you'll begin that, I'm going to ask you to begin to pray on a daily basis. Talk to God. Tell him how you feel. Don't just wait till you go to church. Church Prayer isn't some formality for transitions in formal religious services. Prayer is an invitation to God in the midst of your life. And if you're failing to do that, you're avoiding one of the great opportunities that God has put before you. I'm going to give you a little assignment. It's called Let's Pray. You know, in Tennessee, we have kind of a, a, a formal commitment to being polite. If I bump into somebody in the street, I'll ask how they're doing. I don't really care. It's just a way of greeting one another. But I've learned that if you listen to people, they'll tell you a lot. I'm not so great today. My kids were sick last night. Or my kids are out of school. Or my husband's been laid off. Or my husband didn't want the vaccine and he lost his job. If you'll listen in all of those moments, there's an opportunity. I've learned to say, let's pray. And then I'll quickly offer a one-sentence prayer. Lord, help my friend. They're tired. Give them your strength today. Amen. Say that one-sentence prayer and then say amen. Don't wait around for an affirmation. Don't look for something encouraging. Just invite God into the life of that individual and then keep moving. I want to commission you, hundreds of you, thousands of you, to take Let's Pray to the Streets before your recall election next Tuesday. If you're out at a restaurant, if you're at the beach, wherever it may be, if you hear somebody with a frustration or they're weary or they're tired or they're frightened, just say Let's Pray. Don't wait for them to say that's a good idea. Just close your eyes. It's better if you're not looking anyway. God, bless my friend in Jesus' name. Lord, give us the governor you want us to have in Jesus' name. God, deliver us from this virus in Jesus' name. You can take that simple little idea of let's pray and a one-sentence prayer and make an impact in your sphere of influence. I've watched it over and over and over again. I've done it enough. Now when I go to the gym, they come get me off the stair climber to pray, and I'm grateful they do. I hate that stair climber. But prayer changes things. We are revolutionaries in training, not for a new political ideology, not for economic policy. It's not a battle between political parties. There is a spiritual conflict raging in the earth, and God has asked you and me to take a place. Well, we have the courage to be advocates for Jesus. It's easy to give in to the discouragement, to the frustration, to the weariness. It's easy to look at the darkness and the things that are going in the wrong direction and imagine that there's not a pathway through. But I assure you that God is watching, that there are an untold number of angels standing guard around you today. You're not alone. I have seen it over and over and over again. God is awakening his church. 
And I believe he has something in front of you in California that will cause all of us to celebrate. I believe that California dream is on the horizon again. Again, not because of a politician or a political party. But you'll have to have the courage to choose righteousness, to choose leaders that will stand for the truth and a biblical worldview. God has a way of working out the problems if we will honor him. If we dishonor him, there's no politician, there's no economic security. There's nothing that can determine our future in the way we want it to be apart from God unless we give him his best. This is Pastor Alan Jackson. I've got the privilege of spending a few minutes with you in Southern California today. More than that, we stand together in the Church of Jesus Christ. We're launching a Jesus revolution. We're praying that that California dream will make its way back, that Hollywood will begin to create entertainment that will promote godliness and righteousness and purity and holiness, that the leaders that we select will lead with integrity. They'll make decisions that let our families be strengthened, that bring a future to our children and our grandchildren that we can celebrate. We have been tolerant of ungodliness and wickedness too long. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be bitter. We don't have to be resentful. But we're going to have to have the courage to stand. When they say that we're non-essential, we have to have the wisdom to know that if the liquor stores are essential, the church is more essential. I talked to the leaders here when they were in the midst of the pandemic, and they said if they closed the liquor stores, people would break in to get what they wanted, but they could close the churches. We have to change the perception of our faith. We're not passive followers of Jesus. The privilege of being together and lifting up his name in this season, in the midst of this pandemic, holds the future of your state, our nation, our families in the balance. What an honor we have. That California dream is in front of us. I look forward to visiting your state again and celebrating with you the faithfulness of God, his restoration in your homes, your congregations, your neighborhoods, in your cities. I'm trusting him to provide leadership next week that will chart a new course for California and your life. Your prayers matter. Your faith matters. You're important. You're not insignificant. I'm Pastor Alan Jackson in Nashville, Tennessee. My privilege to be a part of Southern California live today and what God is doing in your world. Together, we're making a kingdom difference and celebrating the faithfulness of God in this generation. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes for the next segment. Hello, Southern California. I'm Pastor Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of filling in today on Southern California Live. We're talking about the California dream. It seems like perhaps it's been tarnished a bit in recent months or even years. Now, the rest of the nation has looked at California and imagined that your weather was better and your food was better, and too many times we think your people are prettier. But we're watching the struggles that you're having. But we're very aware you've got a recall election next week. And I want you to know there are multiplied thousands of people praying for you and standing with you, that you'll have wisdom to make a choice that will bring God's blessing to your lives, to your state, and impact our whole nation. We all understand that what happens in California impacts what happens in the rest of our nation. So you do make a difference. I hope you're planning to participate. Don't sit out the election. Don't be so frustrated with the process or become so agitated with candidates or the media or circumstances that you withdraw from the arena. It makes no sense to complain if we don't participate. Your vote matters. Your watchful participation is important. It's time for us to stand up. We can't just pray. I believe prayer changes things, and I believe being Christ followers with a biblical worldview changes things. But we've got to participate in the processes that have been given to us. I've been asking you today to make a choice with me. 
Let's start a revolution, a Jesus revolution, not a revolution around anger or violence, not based on economic reform or redistributing wealth, but a revolution around a worldview, a worldview that acknowledged Jesus of Nazareth as Lord. We've played church for too long. I'm not interested anymore. If church doesn't really matter, let's close the doors. And if it does matter, let's open the windows and let everybody hear the message. I want to read a verse to you. It's from Psalm chapter 11 and verse 3. It says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's a sobering question. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? I think we are witnesses to the foundations of our nation having been dismantled. Things like truth and integrity. There has been a very intentional attempt to to take away our sense of celebration of our founding, of our founding documents, of the individuals who sacrificed to see our nation brought into existence. Our founding fathers, we're told, were greedy, that they weren't motivated by anything higher than their own selfish ambition. I don't believe that's accurate history or an accurate reflection of the reality, but nevertheless, it's a prevailing message these days. There seems to me to be an intentional attempt to destroy the foundations that have secured our lives without a promise of something better. So what can the righteous do? We have to understand what the foundation of our lives is, and it's not the United States Constitution. It isn't our founding fathers. I will defend their lives and the choices they made and the freedoms and liberties that have emerged from them. But the truth is, our future is determined by the kingdom of God. It wasn't too long ago. We were in a building project in the church, and there were hundreds of permissions that we had to secure, and lots of different departments I had to appear before, and lots of committees and lots of forms to be filled out, and I was frustrated. The process was delayed month after month, and they seemed to create new hoops to be jumped through. And I was in my car one day, headed to another meeting, and I was angry with God, and I said, God, this isn't right, and it's not just. This is your church. And I, inside of me, I heard the Spirit of God saying, who are you trusting for justice? And I started to say, well, the government, of course. And before I got government out, I realized the foolishness of my attitude, that justice only comes from the Lord, that our government will only be just if it's informed by people who are filled with the Spirit of God. And on that point, the church has an assignment in front of us. Romans chapter 12 and verse 21 says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's not a passive passage at all. So it's not to be overcome by evil. We can't negotiate with evil. We can't yield to evil. We're called to be an overcomer. And to overcome evil, we have to overcome it. That's an assertive posture. I would submit to you that for too long the church has overlooked evil. We've excused it. We've winked at it. We've even excused it in our own lives. We have to begin there with a spirit of repentance and a spirit of remorse for the times we have made ungodly choices. Let's stop pointing our fingers at others and say, God, I'll change my heart. I will honor you more fully. If those of us that imagine ourselves to be Christ followers will humble ourselves and turn away from our wickedness, if we'll stop our immorality, if we'll lay down our greed and our selfish ambition and choose an ambition for the kingdom of God and walk in uprightness and integrity, I believe we will see God bring healing to our land. It's time for us to become overcomers. We've been overlookers for too long. I want to share a little. I like to make lists. And I took a legal pad the other day, and I made a list of the characteristics of February 2020, just before we heard about corona, before it really broke into our lives and sent us to our homes. They told us for a couple of weeks. It's been a bit longer than that now. 
But in February of 2020, there were some whispers of coronavirus, no real visible impact yet. We weren't sure where it had come from or what the source was, maybe some wet market in Wuhan. That was all we knew. Our economy was flourishing. Now, remember, this was February of 2020. The business forecasts were very positive. On our border, our southern border, we had a fence under construction. Illegal immigration was down. We had the most order on our southern border we had had in years. We were energy independent. We were a net exporter of energy. February of 2020 now. Our schools and universities were in session with no imagination of disruption even possible. In February of that year, we had an election on the horizon, and we were probably all a little bit concerned about the the antagonism that would bring. In the media, in February of 2020, there was a consistent drumbeat of failing presidential leadership. It was incessant. It focused on Russian collusion and inappropriate phone calls with foreign leaders. But the message day in and day out was that our presidential leadership was failing. And in our churches of February 2020, it was business as usual. Well, if you scroll forward, not quite 18 months, if we get to June of 2021, the list is really different. Our economy is struggling. We're energy dependent these days upon other nations. Our small businesses are fighting for survival. Many of them have already capitulated to the stresses of this season. Our schools have been disrupted. And when our children have been able to go to school, it's been inconsistently and they've been masked. They've been put through more stresses. The quality of education and the learning that's taken place in the last 18 months has declined precipitously. The biblical view of family has been intentionally diminished in a profound way in that same period of time. Violence in American cities escalates on a daily basis. We have entire American cities now that have set aside federal law. They declare themselves sanctuaries, and yet they demand federal funding. Our southern border these days is open. Illegal immigration and illegal activity is at an unprecedented level. Our media today, as we see the summer of 2021 come to a conclusion, we have a consistent litany of the excellent presidential leadership we're benefiting from. Our churches, they've been disrupted. Some have gained increasing awareness. Some have stepped into this season with greater courage and faith. Others have imagined themselves to be less essential and have accepted diminished ways to serve the congregations that were looking to them for leadership. It's a startling change in a very brief period of time. It's not surprising. It's it's disorienting to us and confusing. Gathered all around us, there are storm clouds. We're working less and spending more, both personally and nationally. The thought influences around us demand equity now, not equality. I've spent my life fighting for equality, no matter your gender, your race, your economic status, your your education levels. We're told that's not the goalpost any longer. We want equity. The U.S. has spent $6 trillion on the coronavirus and relief efforts. We've done that while our national debt is on track to hit $30 trillion by the end of this year. It's unprecedented spending. Only World War II saw this type of debt accumulation. With all of that, there's growing momentum to move away from physical currency, to move to digital currency. Again, folks, we need to start a revolution, not be swept along in the one that others are starting. This is not about politicians or political parties. It's about a worldview and who's Lord of your life. I'm not talking to you about joining a church or a denomination or changing your vocabulary. I'm talking to you about a revolutionary way of responding to our world. It's time for the Church of Jesus Christ to make a change. 
I believe the outcome in this revolution as of right now is undetermined. And I believe the determining factor will be the choices of God's people. You're important and you make a difference. Those who have initiated this revolution are displaying remarkable determination and focus. It'll take a commitment on the behalf of God's people to stand up for truth and righteousness in a way that we haven't in recent years or decades. We can't afford any longer to be unaware or unconcerned. It's time for us to find a voice for Jesus of Nazareth in our lives. Here's the awkward truth. America needs a heart change. It's not just California. Once again, you get to go first. I appreciate your courage and your boldness. I know this recall election has torn at the fabric of your state, and I'm sure it has brought a great deal of frustration and stress to your lives. But we're praying that God will give you wisdom and the boldness and the courage to have a fair, a transparent election that will set a precedent for the rest of us in the months ahead of us. Leadership is a gift from God. It's far more important than who's going to lead your state. It's the values that are going to be held up. It's the character of your leaders that will be providing direction for you and your children and your schools and your businesses for your state and impact our whole nation. Take time in these next few days to pray. Gather a friend or two and pray with them. Ask God for his wisdom. Encourage your friends to participate in the process. That California dream is not something that is beyond you. And if it's been tarnished a bit, I believe the Spirit of God is well able to restore it and to write a new chapter for it in the years ahead that will cause you to be grateful for the state of California. I'm happy for the Californians coming to Tennessee, but I'd be more excited to see the Spirit of God poured out in California in a way that marks a new future for our entire nation. The church in California has spoken to our nation for decades, and I'm trusting that God is beginning something there that will speak to all of us again. This is Pastor Alan Jackson. I have the privilege of filling in today for Southern California Live. It's an honor to have this time with you. I'll be back for another segment in just a few minutes. Well, hello, Southern California. This is Pastor Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of filling in today on Southern California Live. We're talking about that California dream, that dream that has fascinated the rest of us in this nation. We've looked to California and your beaches and your mountains and your deserts and your food and your sports teams and your beautiful people, and we've thought we want to be like that. But it feels like that California dream has been tarnished a bit in recent months and years. There's even immigration away from California in unprecedented numbers for the first time in my lifetime. But we're not abandoning you. We're standing with you. You've got an election next week, and I believe it's a, it's a season of change in California and across our nation. And I believe the church has a vital role to play in that. In fact, I believe God's people are more important than the politicians or the political parties or the billionaires that are resourcing it. The greatest power that affects a human being is the spiritual power of a living God. Now, I believe God works through political parties and politicians, and I'm not anti-science. I, I believe God works through all of those vehicles, but I do believe the greatest power to touch our lives is the power of a living God. I want to encourage, if you're not planning to participate in the recall election next Tuesday, to change your plans. I know there's a lot of choices, and I'm sure you've got election fatigue, and you're tired with the distractions and the manipulations and all the things that come with those type of elections but it's worth the effort and the energy to be a participant. Ask the Spirit of God to give you wisdom. Talk to your friends. Talk to your neighbors. Make the effort. Use your voice. Don't just be angry or frustrated. 
Don't just grow weary or disappointment. We can't afford to retreat. Evil is not going to yield because we're tired. The only thing evil will yield to is a power greater than itself. And that's not the power of organization or the power of a denomination or the power of an individual and their economic forces. That's the power of a living God. And you and I have a voice in that. It's an important time to stand up and be the church of Jesus Christ. COVID caught us a little off guard. I know it did me. We had a meeting in our with a, in our church the week I first heard about COVID, and somebody asked us if we were going to cancel services. And I said at the time they were playing the SEC basketball tournament in Nashville, and I said they're playing basketball in Nashville. There's nothing will stop us from having church this weekend. I got a call the next morning from a police officer in Nashville and said that they'd closed Bridgestone Arena and they were sending the teams home. So I got to have a nice plate of cold crow and gather the team together and say we'd have to close the church at live stream services that weekend. Seems like a lifetime ago now. It was more than 18 months. And for eight weeks, we had church inside a building with a camera and no people. And the National Day of Prayer came around that first week of May, and we said we can't take this anymore. We put up an outdoor stage. None of the, the music acts, none of the artists in Nashville were working So there was a lot of gear available. We put up an outdoor stage and speakers and video screens. We had church outside for more than a year. God led us through that season, and he's in the business of restoring his people. I've been giving you an invitation all afternoon to be a part of a revolution. Let's start a revolution, a Jesus revolution, not built on anger or violence or resentment or bitterness or hatred, not pointing a condemning finger at anyone else but beginning to humble ourselves before God and say, God, forgive us. We were distracted. We've worshiped too long at the altars of comfort and convenience, and we have imagined that somebody else was the problem. Folks, the challenge for the church in our nation or in the state of California is not the depravity of the wicked. The problem we face is is rooted squarely in the indifference of the faithful. We were so busy with our lives that we'd relegated God to the back burner. We imagined we'd completed all of our significant business of faith. We'd been born again or saved or converted, whatever label you prefer. We'd been baptized. We knew the dates. We had the certificates to prove our participation. We had a benchmark attitude towards faith. That's not what we've been called to. We've been called to seek a living God, to grow up in him, to serve him. In the same way, when we look at a newborn child and we celebrate that new life, we understand it hasn't fully experienced everything it's been created for. It has to grow and mature and be trained and disciplined that the experiences and the value of that life is before it. Well, the same is true with your spiritual life and mine. We've got to keep growing up in the Lord and choosing him and serving him. That's where we are today. It's an honor to be with you. It's Pastor Alan Jackson. I'm filling in on Southern California Live. If you've got a question or a comment, please give us a call. It's 888-52-TALKS or 888-526-2557. We're talking about that California dream and God restoring it, the election that's in front of you, our COVID fatigue. I'm tired of masks and vaccine discussions. I just want to be free, but wishing it doesn't make it so. We've got to walk this this season all the way through to the end. And to do that, we'll need God's help. I want to remind you of a story in the book of Acts. I think it's appropriate to this season. It's in Acts chapter 27. It's very near the end of the book of Acts. And Paul has been told by God that he's needed in Rome. Well, if I heard that, I would think God was going to buy me a first-class ticket. I was going to travel in style for the message. That's not the way it happens with Paul. He's arrested in Jerusalem. 
There's multiple attempts made on his life. He's taken from Jerusalem to Caesarea, where he's held in prison. He makes multiple appearances before Roman authorities. He's never set free. Finally, he's put on board a ship to, to sail for Rome. It's going to be more than two years after his arrest before he gets to Rome. But that journey on ship is really the, the culmination of this particular event in his life. That ship gets caught in a storm, a hurricane-type storm. We just watched a storm like that sweep across our nation. They jettison the cargo. They jettison the tackle. Finally, even the most hardened veteran sailors think they're going to perish in the storm. And an angel appears to God and says that that won't happen, that if they'll stay on board the ship, God will take them through. But the line in the story that is the most impactful to me It's Acts 27 and verse 20. It says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They gave up all hope. I bet there's somebody listening today that's given up all hope that that California dream can be revived. You've given up all hope that churches can be alive or vital or that godliness or holiness or righteousness or purity could be celebrated once again in your communities, in your cities, or in our nation. See, hope doesn't leave us all at once. Hope is taken away from us one little piece at a time. It's like removing one piece of a jigsaw puzzle after another until you lose completely the image that you were looking at. You can't remember what it was. And you finally look at the few remaining pieces, but you have no hope of restoring the image that you had. That's what happened to Paul and the the men that he was sailing with on board that ship. And I'm a bit concerned that that's what's happened to us in this nation, in the church. We were awakened to the reality of covid and the incompleteness of our faith. And God began to discipline us a bit, and discipline's unpleasant. And I'm concerned that perhaps we've lost hope that God will lead us through it. I want to assure you today that God hasn't abandoned his throne, that Jesus is not intimidated by an election process or by individuals trying to manipulate that process. God is not intimidated by billionaires who invest unimagined amounts of money in promoting... He's not intimidated by billionaires who invest unimagined amounts of money in being proponents for wickedness or trying to manipulate the systems towards their own agendas. Jesus is still Lord of all, and he's still moving in the earth. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, I believe we will see God bring renewal and restoration. He has done it over and over and over again in the history of our nation, in the history of the church, and in his history of dealing with his people. We are the 21st century edition of the book of Acts. And if God could deliver Paul safely to Rome with the message that's impacting the world until today, I believe he can deliver California from the challenges that you face. And we'll see the Spirit of God poured out upon your lives. Imagine the difference if Southern California experienced an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Imagine the difference if the entertainment industry was touched by a moving of the Spirit of God. All the eyes in our nation and around our world that are focused on Southern California, imagine the impact if Jesus' name was lifted up as never before. You're not insignificant. God has put you in the crosshairs of one of the most significant seasons of life. Your prayers, your quiet faithfulness, your determination to be an overcomer and not to be overcome by evil 
are of tremendous significance. And if you have given up hope, I want to invite you to say with me today, my God is a deliverer. I will not. My hope is in the name of the Lord. If he delivered Paul through that shipwreck, he can deliver you and I through the shipwreck of COVID, through all the manipulations, through all the deception, through all the ungodliness, through all the immorality, through all the wickedness. God has not abandoned his church. Jesus is still the head of the church. I'm a pastor today because I read where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I said, with all of the brokenness of my life, I said, Jesus, if you'll allow me to help, I'll do anything I can to be an advocate and a strength in your establishment of your church. And he's given you that same privilege. It's Pastor Alan Jackson, and it's been my privilege today to be with you in Southern California Live. I want you to know that there are Christ followers across our nation and around the world standing with you. Next Tuesday is a pivot point in your state, in your nation, but it's not the end of the story. Be sure you participate. Be sure you've prayed. Be sure you've used your voice with your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers. But be sure you're thanking God that Jesus is Lord of all. He's watching over us. Our God is a deliverer. He's a restorer. He's a renewer. And that California dream is alive and well. The name of Jesus is going to be lifted up over Southern California. I believe you'll influence our nation and the world for the kingdom of God. This is Pastor Alan Jackson. It's been my privilege to be with you on Southern California Live today. God bless you, and you keep thanking God for his faithfulness. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.